we, we have an amazing opportunity in the next year uh, that we could, with raising about $700,000 of capital, uh, we, this church could be totally debt-free, ready for the next, um, ready for whatever God has next, wherever the gospel is going to go. Um, we have the church in Concord uh, that is meeting in a school. So we're going to be talking about this over the next couple of weeks. I know as soon as you come to church, you brought your friend today and you're like, he's talking about money. Oh man, he's never coming back. Settle, everybody settle down. Take a big, deep breath. You're supposed to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Like this, to say, settle down. He's not going to, I'm not going to push anything. Listen, I support what I believe in. Uh, that's, that's what I do. I support what I believe in. I rearrange stuff to do what I believe in. And sometimes, sometimes I believe in a new TV. Can we just be honest? Sometimes you believe in a new car and hopefully we all believe in the gospel going forward. And so I think God has pointed something out to me that the modern day church doesn't talk about. And over the next couple of weeks, I want to talk to you about this. And, I, and listen, I know we're all different personalities. I know we're all different stages of life. I, I know that, I know that, that, you know, we're going to have to figure out how to get our heads wrapped around in some seasons of life. But listen, I, I believe when you're reading scripture, God is calling us to increase our capacity on multiple levels. Amen. When you say after you come to Christ, you should be more compassionate. True? Well, that's, a, that's increasing. Some of you, that's increasing your capacity a lot. For me, it was increasing it. You have no idea. I'm like, if you want to eat, get a job. Like, I don't know. And then I came to Christ and he was like, hey, you need to soften your stance on that a little bit. And I'm like, prove it to <laughs> I'm not the most compassionate person, but the longer I am with Jesus, the more compassionate I get. Amen. So, um, I still don't like cats. We're not even talking about animals. So in every area of our life, becoming like Christ increases our capacity. I believe, I believe that becoming like Christ increases our capacity for stress. Church doesn't talk about that very often, do we? Because in the most stressful moment of Jesus' life, he said, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But yet not my will, yours be done. So we increase our capacity for stress and and difficulty. We increase our capacity for pain. Paul said these light and momentary sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory being revealed in us. He said, listen, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, we should be able to walk through some things. Amen. So all, all through it, we're increasing our capacity. We're increasing our capacity. So what happens is when we get to the idea of money, we always talk about sacrifice. And I thought, well, you can only sacrifice so much. Is that true? Can I, can I get an amen? Because here's what I started realizing. You have to eat. Is that true? You can agree with me. It's not a trick question. You have to have some place to live. Has anybody heard the voice of God say, sell your house, live in a tent, give all your money to the church. Anybody heard that? Cause he ain't told me that you have to get to work. 
Is that true? You have to wear clothes. Dear God, put some clothes on. That's a gift from the Lord, working hard enough to wear clothes. You have, you pro, you, more than likely than this type of church, some of you are going to school. You have to pay for school, right? Some, you have kids. You, them things cost so much money. They just do. They're, do you know how many boats you could have? If, listen. So what the church does is we constantly say, you get paid X. And what's going to happen is you need to sacrifice out of X. Now, I, I believe, I'm going to just lay it out for you right up front. I believe that the Old Testament definition of tithing, 10%, everybody, has anybody heard that before? 10%. I believe that's, remember when we used to have minimum operating requirements for, for software that you put in your computer? Hey, you need to have 128 megabyte hard drive. Some of you are going to get that. And, and these are the minimum operating requirements. Well, guess what? When you, if you bought a computer that just did one software, that would be pointless, right? So you always got a computer that was bigger than the software that you wanted to run on it. Does that make sense? Okay. So I look at the tithe as a minimum operating requirements. Like I just, that's, I was raised on tithing. I believe it's an old Testament principle that filters into the new Testament. Here's the caveat. Nowhere in the new Testament does it say, be proud of the fact that you tithe. Actually, it's a, it's a idea of increasing your capacity to give just like my, my capacity for compassion or my capacity for pain or my capacity for stress. It's all about the new Testament is all about becoming more like Christ and increasing our capacity on every level. But here's the problem. The church for the last hundred years has only talked about sacrifice, not increasing your capacity. So can I do a little math for you? And then we're going to get into the scripture. If you make $50,000 a year and you tithe 10%, by the way, if you only give 2% right now, you're not going to hell. Okay. So everybody calm down. The idea is, is how do I increase my capacity? Number one, how do, how do I, how do I get my head wrapped around what's going on now that I've become a follower of Christ? And we'll talk about that in a second. So here's the thing that I started thinking about. If I want to give away more, I have to make more. Everybody's like, wow, wow. Because here's, a, here's the deal, $50,000. Let's say you're tithing 10%. That's $5,000 in it. Now you're living on $45,000. Now, can God make that happen? Absolutely. And when Beth and I make $50,000, we tithe 10% and God blessed us with the 45,000. And we always paid our bills. We were never late. We, uh, we always had clothes. Never got thrown out of anywhere for being naked. Our kids always had food to eat. We got provided. There were seasons in our life where we made way less than $50,000 and God saw us through those seasons. Anybody else? Okay. But let's be practical. Now you're living on 45,000. Let's say you got a, two kids um, and, and you got a house, you got a couple cars. Can we just be honest? By the time you pay the light bill, the gasoline, there ain't enough left over, is there? Sometimes. Is that true? 
So the way the church comes at it is, oh, you sacrifice, 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 sacrifice. And you're sitting down going, where's the money going to come from? Every month you're like, God, I just gave it all away and now you got to give it back. And I started thinking, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that he wants to increase your storehouse of seed so that you can sow and reap more. Well, here's the thing. You can't plant the same amount of seed. You can't plant more seed in the same amount of ground. Are you following me? Like if you got a patch of ground this big, you can only put so much seed in it. You have to have a bigger capacity in order to put more seed in. So Beth and I years ago started saying, hey, if we're going to be generous, we got to figure out something else. We got to figure out something else. So we started trying to figure out other sources. We are increasing our capacity for income. We started going, oh, wait, like we can do this over here and make more money. We can do this over here and make more money. We can do this over here and make more money. Now our hearts were bent towards God. And so the idea was we can make more money. Then we could be generous. We could be significantly more generous because we increased our capacity for income. Amen. So when you read Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he's taught, he's saying, give out of your abundance as you prosper, set money aside. Now he's not talking about the tithe. He's not talking about my regular giving, but he's saying, when I show up to somebody's house and they need something and I have the capacity to do it, it's because I already planned to set money aside to be able to help people. So now, now, now my definition, my definitions have changed. My mindset's changed. Now I'm trying to get a raise. Yes, yes, you should, you should have maybe a little bit nicer TV. Not the biggest one. But God is not saying, hey, listen, I need you to live like a pulper to support my kingdom. It's not in there. Paul's telling the church in Corinth, he's not blasting them because they have money. He's saying, be purposeful with the money you have. And if you handle it right, and if you sow it right, I'll increase what you have so that you can be generous on every occasion. So now when you increase your capacity for income, now it's like this. Now my heart hasn't changed. Just the resources I have to dish out have changed. Amen. And so we've been pounding sacrifice for a hundred years and everybody's sitting around going, well, I mean, I get paid $12 an hour at my job. I can't give no more away. True. That is true. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a true statement. That's a true statement. I want you to work hard enough to make $100 an hour. Do you realize what started happening to me when I started praying, God, I want to be, I want to give on a level that I'm not capable of giving on now. Listen. I, I, we started praying that I want to give on a level that I'm not capable of giving on now. You know what God did? He answered that prayer. He answered that prayer. How did he answer it? I planted three trees in the backyard and every quarter they dump a hundred grand in my backyard. That's what they did. It's, it's a miracle. No, that's not what happened. He allowed us to go out and earn more income by doing by opening our minds to other opportunities. 
So I think the church should start talking about bigger fields all the time. We live in America. We live in America. We're over here complaining about 7% interest. There's countries you can't even get a loan. Oh, it's all going to hell. Don't you think God can enrich you even in a bad economy? The trouble is money doesn't fall from heaven. Money comes from the work of our hands. And the church has to start thinking different about it. So for the next nine minutes, I want to tell you a quick story and give you insight into why, into, into how coming to Christ changes us. Luke chapter 19, we're going to start in verse one, stand to your feet really fast we'll roll through this. He entered Jericho and was passing through and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector and was rich and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried, came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I refund it fourfold. The fourfold was over and above what the Jewish rule was back then for restoration of, 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 of a wrong. And Jesus said to him today, salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. He's saying he's also a Jew. He's saying something that none of the other Jews standing around him would have believed because Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was a traitor. And so, so Jesus looked at all of them saying, hey, he's one of us. Even though you think he's a traitor, he's still one of us. And look, salvation has come to this house today for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Father, we thank you today for that word. Help us increase our capacity. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. All right, I love the way Luke does this because just just a, a little bit before this, Jesus is on his way. Now, Jesus is uh, traveling in a little bit different circles. He's making his way to Jerusalem through Jericho. Before he gets to Jericho, he bumps into what we would call a rich young ruler. This is before Zacchaeus. And the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be perfect? He was a Jew. He, he knew he knew all the right stuff to say. He knew all the right stuff to do. And, and Jesus said, they have this conversation about what's right. And, and he says, well, I've done everything. I've done all that. Could you imagine bumping into Jesus for the first time and say, I'm pretty much perfect. That's what this guy does. I'm pretty much perfect. Jesus tells him, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Come follow me. Does anybody know what the guy did? It says he went away sad because he had great wealth. The unregenerate heart holds on to things that aren't worth holding on to. Remember that. So the rich young ruler, and Luke is juxtaposing these, these two positions, the rich young ruler, and then very quickly after the rich young ruler, he goes into the story of Zacchaeus. The rich young ruler who's wealthy and walks away from Jesus because he's not looking, he's not really looking for eternal life. He's looking to put another feather in his cap. Hey, what do I got to do? Jesus says, I'm going to deal with the one thing that you can't let go of, and that's money. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, come follow me. 
And the guy's like, mm, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can do that. He gets to Zacchaeus. He's coming into Jericho. Zacchaeus is a short guy. And there's a big crowd following Jesus because he had, he had healed some people. And he comes in to Jericho and Zacchaeus decides, I'm going to climb up in a tree to see this guy. He's a rock star. He's healing everybody. This is unbelievable. And Jesus, I believe, uh, did what he did. And it was absolutely shocking to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is what's called a chief tax collector. That means he's in charge over other tax collectors. We know Matthew, who's a disciple of Christ was also a tax collector, but he was like on the lower rung. If you want to talk about an org chart, Matthew would have been answering to Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus climbs up in a tree and Jesus, as he's walking by, looks up in the tree and sees Zacchaeus and says, Hey, Zacchaeus, come down for here. I want to, I want to spend the afternoon at your house. Can you imagine? Can you imagine there's clamoring around? This is the man. This is, this guy's been healing people. This could be the Messiah. There's clamoring going on. A large crowd is following him. And then you get pointed out. Boy, you'd scramble home and, and clean up the underwear on the floor. And you, you just start getting all kinds of stuff ready. Jesus comes into his house. We don't really know what they talked about. We know, we know there were some scoffers who were like, I can't believe he's going with that sinner. Because he would have been labeled a traitor. He would have been a Jewish man who was overseeing the collection of taxes of, from Jews to the Romans. And, and what they did was they systematically overcharged to pad their own pockets. And so they were hated by their own people. Jesus points them out up in a tree and says, hey, come down with me. We're going to go to your house today. Zacchaeus bolts to his house, invites Jesus in, and there's a great conversation. Zacchaeus comes out and says, I'm going to sell half of everything I got. Give it away. And if I've wronged anybody, I'm going to pay him back four times. I think that's remarkable. I think that's unbelievable. And I think for our conversation, this is the start of our capacity conversation. Because grace, we just sang it, so free washes over me. The idea that what God brought us was free and our response to that we have freely received and we freely give. So when Jesus sent out the 12 disciples to go heal the sick, cast out demons, proclaim freedom, all that stuff, he said, he said those exact words, freely you have received. He said, you received the power for me to do all this. You received the resources for me to do all this. You've received the commissioning for me to do all this. Now, when you go out, don't charge anybody. Freely you receive, freely you give. All right. Now, some of you uh, that are just maybe new to the church walked in and say, yeah, but man, I listen to you preach every morning. There's some okay music and there's some, you know, kid stuff and there's some this and that. And there's some all this stuff going on and there's some lights and smoke and all this. And I feel like I'm paying for it every time I walk out the door. And you might say, oh, your church is a little tricky because you don't actually hold a plate. You just put a thing in the back. I haven't been in church too long that, I don't, that I'm unaware about the way people think. Listen, if you came here for the next 10 years and didn't give a dime, you'd still get it. 
Did you hear that? You still get it. I don't know what you're giving. I'm not standing by the bucket every week going. Come on, Billy. I mean, I got the report right here. It's been six months. No, what this is, is this is the impact of Jesus transforming our lives. So what happens is the rich young ruler does have an encounter with Jesus, but there's no transformation. He bumps up against Jesus and says, what do I have to do to be right? And Jesus says, okay, okay, if you want to play that game about you being right without me, then I'm going to get you to do something that you can't and and are absolutely unwilling to do. So he says, listen, if you want to try to do this without me, watch this. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And the rich young ruler figured out real quick he couldn't do it without Jesus. And the most... One of the saddest scriptures in the whole Bible is him walking away from the Savior. Jesus turns around to the disciples and says, man, this could be hard for wealthy people to get into heaven. Because because a lot of times they think they can do it all. A lot of times they think they got enough resources to make themselves right. Now Zacchaeus, who was also a rich man. Don't forget, we're not talking about a rich man and a poor man. We're talking about both rich men. Don't add anything to that for the recent song. We we are talking about two wealthy individuals and the response to Jesus by two wealthy individuals. One was just looking for a way that he could do it himself. Zacchaeus realizes at some point in time during this encounter that it was Jesus who transformed it. When Jesus walks out, he says, salvation has come to this house today. What was his response? He received from Jesus freely. And when Zacchaeus walks out, he says, hey, listen, I'm gonna sell sell half of everything I have. I'm gonna give away half of everything I have. That's crazy. And he said, I'll make restitution four times over for anyone anyone that I've hurt. Now listen to me. Do you realize how long that list probably was? He'd been doing it long enough to be a chief tax collector. The reason why he didn't give away everything he had because it was take the other half to pay everybody back. So what's the story here? If you got credit cards, God didn't ask you to give that money that you were going to pay your bill to the church. That's not faith. That's stupidity. Can we just be honest? Oh, Lord, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to give my visa payment to the church. And I'm praying, no, pay visa first. Some of you tither people are going to be like, you should give the Lord first. Yes, but you got to pay visa or you'll never get out of that hole. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) If you don't say amen, the children will rise up. Um, I need you to understand something. The knee jerk response to Jesus's grace to us freely is for us to be generous freely. You see it through scripture. 
You see this idea when Jesus inter- interacts with people and when, he, when people really come to him, Paul would lay his life down on a daily basis and he would just keep giving and giving and giving. Paul would say, I don't, need, I don't want to take a dime for anybody. I'm going to just keep giving. Why? Because he's given me so much. And so Zacchaeus, his response to Jesus wasn't just, hey, tell me how much I got to pay to make this happen. That was the rich young ruler. Tell me what I got to do to make this happen. Zacchaeus, unprovoked, comes out and says, I want to be generous now. A chief tax collector who had made a living on not being generous has a real encounter with Jesus. Jesus says salvation has come to his house today. And now he walks out and he says, I want to be like him. I want to be like him. I'm going to start being generous. Listen, becoming a disciple of Christ is about letting him change every part of us. It's not about just taking our pain away or take, giving us peace. It's about him increasing our capacity in every area of our life. It's the response to the grace he's given us. And I need you to understand this, Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. As for what was sown, this is Jesus telling the parable of the, of the sower. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. This is literally describing the rich young ruler. Jesus himself Hey, this is what, this is the deal. This is the deal. And the guy goes, ah, I can't accept that. And walks away. My fear is that if we're in the church and we're still wrestling with the idea of finance, we're still wrestling with the idea of we've come to Jesus and it's the one area of our life that we haven't given him. It's, the, it's that one part that we're like, oh man, you know what? You know, the church just wants money and you know, and I'm not giving to anybody else. I'm glad God said that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. Could you imagine if there was like a comma there, except for these people and 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 these people in this circumstance, in this circumstance, this, like all kinds of caveats to it. Do you know what's funny? Zacchaeus came out and made no caveats. He just said, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to do it. And here's, here's what it's going to look like. Jesus was telling the story of, of the parable of the sower where he said, you throw out seed on different soil and, and it lands on this certain type of soil that when you, when you get to people who are just de- deceived by wealth and what it means, it chokes the gospel out. The rich young ruler was deceived by how much power wealth gave him and how much, how much control he had over his life. And it choked out the very thing that would end up saving him. And so, listen, this is not a ploy to get you to give more money. It's not. And if you decide at the end of the day you don't want to give, that's between you and God. I'm going to advise against it. 
But that's between you and God. Here's the thing. Discipleship is us becoming teaching to become more like Christ. And, and that's, what, that's what my job is. And so what happens is we preach about all kinds of things throughout the year over and over and over and over and over again. And then we get to this one time a year. And the staff knows. They're like, oh, we're going to talk about money. But the irony is it's the one thing that a lot of people have trouble with. I mean, I'm listening to the same news everybody else listens to and the economy shifts and the and credit card balances go up and it says, hey, people that listen to this, the rate of people making $100,000 a year leaving paycheck to paycheck is skyrocketing. And my contention is as long as we live like that as a church, it will always look like sacrifice. We'll always have to talk about, oh, you got to sacrifice, oh, you got to sacrifice, oh, you got to sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Instead of saying, as the church, we are taught to live differently. And so we always have more excess than everybody else. Is that possible? Because if we live by biblical principles, it creates excess in your life. Doesn't it? When you came to Jesus, didn't you start having more love for everyone else? You're like, bro, I'm still working on that. It's only been 25 years. (laughs) Didn't you have more compassion? Isn't grace more than enough? So so now Paul says, "Out out of your abundance, as you prosper, give. That's a different message to the church. So we gotta get our heads wrapped differently around this. And we've got to live in a way where there's excess. Now, I know you're looking at me right now going, man, I'm strapped all the way to the end. And you might not get out of this in three weeks. But there is a path forward for you to live biblically when it comes to finances. Amen? There is a path forward. There are people in here who teach this over and over and over again. Who do the Ramsey Financial Solution. All these things. There's, There's resources here for you to figure it out. And to live, to live like the people around you have never seen before. Some of you, if you decided to do this, that it'll be the first time in your family anybody's lived with excess. Think about that in America. It could be the first time in your family anybody's lived with excess. And that's what God's calling you to. This isn't a prosperity gospel. This is a practical financial. We could live differently. I'm not saying pray and God's just going to dump, put dump trucks, loads of money in your front yard. That's stupid. But he's called us to live in a way that allows there to be excess. That means I got to work a little more. means I got to come up with something different to create excess. And then guess what? Because, because he's freely given to me, now my mindset's different. And here's what I figured out. Here's what I figured out over the last 25 years. That if I will look at God and say, God, I want to be generous beyond my capability right now. If you would show me how to increase my capacity, I'll give it away. Is God going to walk away from that and be like, no. No, that's dumb. No, all of a sudden, all of a sudden he starts increasing our capacity. Are we working for it? Yes. Are we, are we going out and doing different things that we've never done before? Yes. Are we trying to figure out new ways to do things? Yes. 
We're doing all these things. But here's the promise. He said, I'll keep increasing you if you will increase your generosity on every occasion. So if you stick with me over the next month, we're going to talk about that. Don't get scared away. This is not a guilt you into anything. This is as a body of believers, I believe we're called to live different. I believe we're called to live on a different level. I believe because we bumped into Jesus and he saved us, salvation showed up to our houses. Then we turn around and go, hey, listen, I'm going to live differently than every other tax collector out here. It's impacted me like that. And the first sign of that is I'm going to be generous. I'm going to figure it out. Stay near your feet. Lord, we thank you today. God, sometimes we bump into these subjects that make us feel uncomfortable because we have surrendered it all to you. Even me, Lord, I don't, there's parts of my life that I don't want to give you. Just be transparent. We got to have a wrestling match every time the topic comes up. And Lord, for a lot of, a lot of people, Lord, there's a little bit of a wrestling issue. There's been so much, so much wrong teaching on these subjects. So many people have been taken advantage of. So many, so many resources have been mishandled that it's made us a little gun shy. But Lord, we know we look into your word and we see that the response to your free gift to us is to freely give to others. Just like you increase our capacity for everything else, Lord, I would ask today that you begin the work of increasing our capacity for generosity. Lord, that we live in such a way that put your kingdom first. Live in such a way that puts others first. Lord, we got to pay our bills. You already know that. You said you'd give us bread for food and seed to sow. So we're counting on that today, Lord. Teach us something new in this next month. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on church, can you give him praise and honor this morning? Hey listen, we'll see you back here next week. Be thinking about it, get into the word of God and figure out what it says and we'll keep going with the conversation.